This is Tap In Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello, and welcome to Tap In Time, episode 25. I'm Claire. I'm Victor. And I'm Gene. The stick community is a great place to be. You can meet a lot of new people from different parts of the world that pull musical influences from a multitude of different styles and cultures and genres. There is one thing that we generally all agree upon, and that is that we do love a good debate. (laughs) And while the pickup debate is one of my favorites, they all pale in comparison to the tuning debate. Which reminds me of a joke. How many Chapman Stick players does it take to play a Chapman Stick? Uh, I don't know. What's the tuning? So you could have a a room full of stick players. And I think we we did this at the Freehands Academy at least a couple of times. And many, many other events where people would say, you know, who's using match reciprocal? Who's using classic? You know, and there's always... You know, one guy in the back that's using some sort of, you know, bizarre kind of Rob Martino tuning. You know, sometimes it's me because <laughs> um, I use the full berry. <laughs> Anyways, so um, what's the best tuning, right? We, we see that question a lot. What's the best tuning? You see the new players ask, um, what's the best tuning for me? And almost unexpectedly for the new player, the, the, the next question hits like a surcharge on your billing statement. And the question is, what gauge? And then there's this moment of, uh, you know, concern. Am I, am I, am I, I, you know, you've come so far in setting up the instrument with the, with the, with the right linear inlay and the, the, you know, is it 10 or is it 12? Maybe it's an NS. And, um, I finally know what pickup I want. And, and then the gauge string comes along and, um, well, it isn't a game changer. It is something to consider and something that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we've already discussed so many things um, with regards to tunings, and um, and we've covered intonation across a couple of different episodes. So while we won't be able to accurately or honestly answer any of these um, hotly debated uh, questions, we will be able to shed some light on why we use what we use and what can work best for your instrument. Oh, wait, wait, wait. we're not going to offer the last word on this? (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) It's so funny. Right. The best tuning is my tuning, and the best gauge is the one that's on my (laughs) instrument right now, period. Podcast over. Right? There's none Uh, of that. Right. (laughs) So yeah, well, you know what we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll cover we'll, we'll talk about um, some techniques that players use. I know Gage uh, or um, Claire talks about the different um, tunings that she has. We'll we'll get into you know some of the Don Schiff kind of flint blade uh, kind of old school uh, string technique, um, buying mixed sets and things like that, and, and custom sets. So. Um, yeah, plenty to plenty to cover. So uh, I guess without further ado, let's let's start with this. Um, All right, the the freedom guitar. So 
the the freedom guitar was that a first original nine string instrument that Emmett had that had that wild card like lever on it that could like bend one of the strings. And um, I'm not entirely sure if that was the one that had flat wound strings, but I know that some of the earlier versions of the Chapman stick did incorporate flat wound strings. And so I was teasing Claire a little earlier about, I said, okay, my piano player friend, because she's like flat wound. I thought they were all round, you know, or I thought they were all, you know, I can't remember what you said, Claire. What did you well, say? Well, on the current sticks, I think they are all, when you, if you purchase strings from stick enterprises, I believe they are all, well, the, the round, the wound ones, I believe are all yeah. round. Um, yeah. Yeah. The round ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so a round wound string is like a, a basically a, a wire, you know, wrapped around a core of you know, other wires or metal lead, aluminum, they use different, there's only like two string manufacturers, I think in the United States, right? Um, that's what I've been told. Uh, maybe I just made that up, but. No, it sounds like it, it sounds like it very well could be true. I know that in, in a lot of industries you have one or two or three major manufacturers that everyone custom orders from, you know, mm-hmm. gee, I want my round bound strings and this is the diameter of the core that I want. And this is the diameter of the wound, that I, the wine that I want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder, I mean, I'm just guessing at that. I don't know that it's actually true in terms of, of how you spec it out, but I would imagine that, you know, from what I've heard, Emmett did a lot of testing to come up with a string that, that he liked. And I imagine that the, the recipe must've changed over the years and, you know, great. Call up, uh, you know, Diodario or whoever and say, Hey, let's tweak this by, a, you know, by, you know, 50 microns and try yeah. that, you know, or I don't know. Well, there's, there's even less, uh, manufacturers for the Chapman stick strings, right? I mean, it's not two. <laughs> there's really only one oh. place you can get Chapman stick strings. Right. And, and it is interesting to see, um, you know, at least on the stickest, I don't see it as much on the Facebook forums, you know, our, 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 our friends out in Europe, you know, like strings are kind of a big deal and, um, they have, they have to have other means to, you know, um, provision them to get them. It's harder to, to get. And, you know, $50 for strings and then, you know, $130 for the import fee is like, maybe there's another place I can get a string, you know, like this, right. or you, you make your own sets. So we kind of have the luxury of that, at least here in the, in the intercontinental U.S. where we're not, we're not, we don't have that um, kind of strife or challenge. And so, you know, the, the original Freedom Guitar um, actually, I don't know if it was the, I know the original Chapman sticks, I believe some of them included, and I've read different things and I, I'd meant to talk to Grace, um, and I did talk to her briefly yesterday, but I, I, we just didn't have enough time, um, to talk about, uh, gauges. Um, you know, if you put a, a flat one string on a Chapman stick, it's, unless it has a certain type of coating, it, it's going to slip. And so from a practical sense, you have a flat wound string on an instrument, if you're winding it. I mean, imagine like a nylon string guitar, you know, that's like a flat wound string. What do you mean slip? I mean, like the tuning will slip. Like it's literally like, it's not like, imagine the ridges of a round wound string. They, they kind of bind. So as you wrap it around something, the Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Those, those ridges. Yeah. When you have uh, the string rubs on itself and it kind of locks in. Yeah. And and on, on guitar and bass, you know, after you change your strings, you'll hear it. It'll go. Ping, you know, like it'll like it'll adjust one, and and sometimes that happens with the stick as well. But um, just kind of rattling on now. <laughs> so 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 yeah, as 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 Claire mentioned, uh, you know, 
Stick Enterprises has a more, you know, they, they only do round wound, but also, you know, it's a, you, you can't get like phosphor bronze or you can't get these certain types of coatings or you can't get semi, you know, semi round, you know, which are partially round. So. Hello there, everyone. This is Victor and I'm breaking in here during editing so I can make a quick note. As we navigate the next few minutes of this discussion, we spend some time talking about both the adjustable truss rod and the adjustable 3D bridge that are present on modern sticks. A couple of times those phrases are accidentally interchanged, starting with my own remark in a little more than two and a half minutes, where I say that the 3D truss lets you adjust intonation. That should have been 3D bridge. It turns out that when talking about the Chapman stick, the phrase adjustable truss is spoken so often that it's easy to slip up and say that instead of adjustable bridge. So now back to it. The gauges of strings, you know, originally were just light gauge, right? So, um, right. and I had said, cause there was no truss rod and Claire corrected me and said, no Gene. It's a non-just. I think, I think that was Vic that had that tidbit of uh, it was okay. me. factual yeah. information. <laughs> Every there. once in a while, the I engineer. get something right. <laughs> <laughs> the engineer's like, no, it does not designed to do that. That's, it that's not correct, Gene. That's, that's right. Mm, <laughs> says here, no. So we originally started off with, with light gauge, you know, and there were like 09 lights. And I believe that Stick Enterprises used Diodario strings. And the reason was, is that they're just, you didn't have any sort of flexibility, um, or rigidity, um, um, rigidity. I was wondering what that's you were trying to say there. Yeah, rigidity? That's the word. I think that's the word. Yeah. No, you had a rigidity. It's like rigidity. I'm like, R <laughs> what? we have like, to keep this like going. Like a ridge? This is, like, <laughs> It's ridge-like. <laughs> <laughs> it has ridges because, you know, those round It's rounds. like ruffles. <laughs> Anyways, the, 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 the idea is that um, there were certain things that came along for the Chapman stick, and I'm trying to look at our notes here, um, that, that kind of allowed us to have different gauges of strings, you know, because before we didn't, we didn't have a, a bridge, right, or a metal bridge. Well, where's the, the the original ones just had at, at the um, at the nut? It just had screws, right? Yeah. And I imagine the 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 width of the string that could go in, like fit in those correctly would be, and that it would it was the same thing at the it was actually the the bridge and the nut had screws. Th that's right? a that's a great point, right? So it was the the string screw, I guess, is what it was called. It was the string, and so it was literally like the top of like a. A, a, a flat wound screw, you know, it's just the, it, and it had been cut a little deeper. So there's this little crevice that's built into this screw. And so imagine when you're intonating your string, well, it has to be pointing north, south or south, north, you know, like it, there's no in between because the, the tension of the string is going to pull it straight. Right. So if you had to make an adjustment to your string, it was like, Quarter turn left, quarter turn right. Yeah, well, know? that's the way it is now. It's just that the the adjustable three D truss lets you change the intonation. I mean, they're they're still they're still resting on screw tops, at least on my instruments. That's that. No, that's true. But uh, but it's not it's, at the not at the not nut, the, not the, the flaps are different. Where's my instrument? Yeah, 
Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that affects the height. Right, yeah. Not, not yeah. the. Yeah, it's true. It's the. It's the yeah, height, no not the intonation. The nuts, certainly. Yeah, I know you're right. I, I, I had not considered you, that. You get yeah, half turns for the height of the the string, basically. Yeah. At the at the bridge currently. Th- yeah. That's that's exactly right. So so at the at the the base of the instrument, I'm trying to show this instrument to Claire and Vic right now. Right, so you've got the screws at the um, at the bridge, right? Yeah, and those can be adjusted. But then there's that 3D element that lets you push it back and forth. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this was one of and the that, that's the intonation adjustment of sliding the the block back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So so science, right? <laughs> science triumphs triumphs. <laughs> triumphs again, you know. So. It, uh, it allows you to move it back and forth. And, um, you know, in, 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 there was a while where he did this kind of five, seven piece where you could actually kind of move this, this sixth, your, your low bass string here. You could kind of, oh no, it was the seventh melody string. That's what it was. Um, it became a seventh melody string on a 12 string instrument. So this one would kind of move diagonally down and then you could. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Because there's more spacing between the two sets of. Uh, of strings, and so if you're going to have a seven-five tuning, you can't just take a, a a regular bridge on a twelve-string instrument. We're talking about here, at least, and yeah. and use that because then your your seventh melody string would have a bizarre spacing. You, you know, look, look at this really closely. I don't know if you can see this on the bass string, or the, the like. There's this little. Let's see if I can find it. I'm going to point to it. Are you talking about how it tapers up? Yeah, so the there's this tapers there, up? there's this area right there though, just by that screw though, and I'm wondering if that uh, if that's on all bridges, if it's on this string, it kind of moves down so that this becomes um, a melody string. I'd have to. Are re- you talking about the string or the or the screw? You're talking about the string, right? The the actual screw. So I'm wondering if it if it can like pivot down. So Claire's actually going to get her instrument to check and see what yeah, this is all about. She's, she's looking at her sets of instruments there. Anyways, in, in podcast land, us staring at a Chapman stick is about as interesting as, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody use your imagination. Watching Imagine. the fishbowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so the, the, I suppose the point I was getting after is, is, is really gauges on the instrument weren't really a thing until like the 90s, really. Because with the advent of the rear access truss neck, um, and I went out and looked up the, the copyright, it's the rear access trust neck construction for stringed musical instruments. This didn't happen until 1990. And the adjustable bridge came shortly thereafter and um, I, I do recall now, that. Sorry, I had always thought that the that there only being light gauge strings available was not due to any instrument limitation. I had thought it was just that it was a string recipe thing, or uh, we had never gotten around to it. Are you suggesting that the instrument couldn't handle um, medium gauge strings for some reason? That was my understanding of it. It okay. just wasn't an option. And and we'll, and we'll ask Claire about her her twelve string instrument. Well, I think I think what happens with like I know on the, I think on the instruments without an adjustable truss, they were built for light strings. And therefore, if you use like different strings, the tension would be different and you can't adjust for it, I think is maybe what's going on. So would the instrument, would the truss rod not have been heavy duty enough to withstand 
the tension. Maybe the tr- maybe the maybe the built-in trust. I don't rods know if it's about withstanding small. it. I think I think, and again, I'm I'm no expert um, on this, but I think it's just because the instrument was designed for the light strings and it was set up that way. If you change if you change oh, the oh, strings, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you change something about the strings and you have no way to change how to adjust the instrument to them, it doesn't right. work. I think. Okay, yeah, I'm talking about like a factory. I mean, you know, I, um, I'm that talking I about a factory yeah, thing. I Gee, know. I want to order my instrument with oh, that medium I, yeah, gauge strings. Well, okay, if there's no adjustable truss, they can just drill the screws for the yeah, bridge uh, in, in in different locations. Um, but uh, you know, maybe there was something else that I'm not considering. But I I had always thought it was just that, as far as ordering a new instrument with medium strings, um, that there shouldn't really be any reason that the original design of the stick couldn't handle it. But you know, maybe there's something I don't know. But uh, certainly once you've got an instrument that's set up for light strings, if you can't adjust that truss, putting medium strings on there is going to drive the band crazy because you're going to be out of intonation all day. <laughs> exactly. And it has everything to do with intonation. So the, the older instruments that didn't have the adjustable truss were kind of you know prefab. Like it's set. It's set at a certain tension. Like you were saying, Claire, it's set at a certain Well, tension. then it comes down to the bridge then, right? Because if you don't have the intonatable bridge, you can't change the intonation. That's right. And, so and it's less, it's maybe less about, well, somewhat about the trust to adjust for the tension, but that's more, right. more about the intonatable bridge to actually change your intonation. <laughs> and you, you can't counter the bow though, right? So right, like, yeah. you know, so as you put those heavier gauge strings on, you're putting more pounds of pressure on it. So and it's you're just actually, not going to play well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're bowing the instrument, you're bowing the instrument. You've got these heavy gauge, you know, it was made for a hundred pounds of pressure. You're putting 127 on it, you know, whatever the, the exact numbers are. I don't know, but at some point you have to adjust and, 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 and bring it back down. So it's playable. So one of two things can happen, and that is that you can you'll, you'll, the intonation will just be very challenging, and, and probably won't be able to like fret things lower down. But also, you could damage the instrument. And so, the earlier polycarbs and the ironwoods didn't have that feature. So, um, you know, one of these days we'll get Grace on here, and we'll we'll rattle her cage about all this stuff. But uh, you know, along with uh, the the advent and the introduction of this adjustable bridge and, uh, you know, the rear access trust neck construction for stringed musical instruments, which is an adjustable truss rod. You know, oh, you, I just love patent names. I know. <laughs> that I love one. Pat, uh, patent pictures. Don't you love those? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you know, those yeah. little arrows and the number. Anyway, we're, we're you can lose here. some time out there on <laughs> stick.com. Like yeah, I, I looked at all that. It's fun to look at that stuff to see, you know, what he went through and how he explained it. Um, there's some other things on there that I, I, I couldn't explain, like um, out on stick.com. I have to see, there's something to do with um, with uh, a layered voice musical self-accompaniment system. Emma Chapman, right? Date what files or shades or something. What year was that? The patch of shades has its own... Uh, Patent, I think. But the date issue, the, the date filed was 1988. So, huh. yeah, could that be if, related to like the grid or something? I don't know. Or maybe um, that was earlier than 88. Um, okay, so we're kind of going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we were not talking about strings anymore, Gene. Come I on. know. <laughs> we're supposed to talk about strings. This is our string episode. Come on. 
Okay, but you guys have to check this out. Like, you have to check out the layered voice musical self-accompaniment system. So it's it's out there on, on stick.com. Um, okay, Gene, I will check it out, but okay. not right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a wild digression. Okay, so um, uh, getting back to inventions that enabled us to even have this conversation, right? Uh, the bridge, the truss rod, you know, even like the flaps. So the, the, the flaps offer um, a more kind of, well, actually with the, you know, the flaps up at the, so at the top of the instrument, you have these flaps. And so you then, you didn't have screws at the top of the instrument. So you weren't adjusting each string right, or, or adjusting screws for each string, right? Now you've got the flaps. Yeah, and for people who may not be familiar with the flaps, basically is a custom designed nut um, up at the top of the instrument, down near the low notes. Um, that's where the string crosses over the end of the fretboard. So, and and it's a custom designed thing um, that, uh, like just about everything on a Chapman stick, it's custom designed and uh, specialized for this instrument. And it basically allows you to adjust the height of the string at what we would traditionally call the nut uh, without really having to remove the strings. You got to detune them a little bit because if you raise it, you know, being so close to the tuning pegs, it it, it really has a, a pretty big impact on uh, the frequency of the of, of the notes. But anyhow, sure, sure. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding up my instrument to show Claire and Vic and there's on each of the two sets, so this is a 12-string instrument, so there's a set of six strings on the one flap, and you can see there's kind of two little uh, areas sets, there. Two set screws. Two set one. screws. There's two set screws, and they're, um, it looks like an Allen wrench. Um, yeah. An Allen, like a very, like a little baby Allen wrench there. And so you can adjust kind of um, in four different places on two different flaps. Two different places on the two different flaps, rather. I will say that I have messed around with that a little bit, and it's a powerful tool to have, but it's also one that you really want to keep track of where you started from, because invariably you're going to mess yourself up if you try and do too much and you don't have a lot of experience with it. I'm, the, the flaps are an awesome thing, but uh, I don't know how many times I've made a flaps adjustment and then I've put it back to where it started and tried again just a little less. Sure. Um, I think that's a key point, and I don't know, this is less about the strings themselves and more about setting them up on the instrument. Um, I remember, do you remember, Gene, I had actually asked uh, Emmett that question, because I was I was really early on at Freehands Academy and, like, trying to adjust your instrument. And I know this is something that's really um, maybe hard to grasp for those of us who, who don't come from a string, like a fretboard instrument. Um, there are three adjustments, well, three kind of full adjustments that on their own all have different adjustments that affect how your strings sound, how they're lined up, how they intonate, and, and how your instrument plays overall. So there's the truss rod, um, there's the bridge, and there's the flaps. And all three of those kind of interplay together. And any adjustment you make on one will affect the other. And I remember I had asked Emmett, like, where do you start? And realistically, I think if I recall, his answer was there isn't really a starting point. Once you make one adjustment, the others will, the whole instrument kind of changes depending on the changes you make yeah. to each. So you have to kind of think about all three together. 
That's, yeah. And if yeah. you want to, you can say all four because your truss rod has two, two adjustments. Yeah. If it's one of the modern ones, it's the, they call it, they yeah. call it a four way and it's got two adjustments, one on, you know, yeah. one, one that tightens the lower half and one that tightens the upper half. And that's the one that drives me batty sometimes. <laughs> we, we have to have talk, have Grace talk about this because she's been talking about techniques that she's using, using that divided truss where she can achieve certain tunings with certain gauges by making these very specific adjustments that are totally and completely unique to the Chapman stick. So like, never mind that the tuning's weird. Never mind that it's a single grid with going out to two different outputs. It's like she's changing the dynamic of the truss and the way it manages tension on the instrument in four different places in addition to the flaps and the uh, in the nut and the bridge. So it, it's, it is, the, I mean, the, the rabbit hole goes deep, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I do remember that question, Claire. I do remember that. And, um, and it's different with older instruments, right? Like there's a whole different kind of game. That you, and I remember I had um, one, of the, one of the first Paduke instruments. It was 130 and it had the screw bridges. And I remember he put a metal bridge on it and I thought, this is a revolution, you know? And, I, and then I thought, oh, now he's shipping new instruments with bridges on them. Shucks, you know, because I just paid like $680 or whatever it was to have this bridge put on and I just should have bought a new Chapman stick. I, I think this was the same old Chapman stick that I then put like a, a pass of four in and I was like, man, I've got to get a new stick fast because this old stick is costing me. Uh. <laughs> All right, so, so uh, where to now, Gene? I mean, we, um, we've, we've kind of babbled a little bit, but we haven't, well, we've kind of covered a lot of stuff so far, but we haven't dived specifically into No, that's okay. What we, we, you can't talk about the gauges of the strings without talking about the evolution of the instrument because it just wasn't something that was available to us. And so the advent mm -hmm. and the evolution of the instrument then enabled us to be able to have different gauge strings. So something to consider with these instruments is that Specific instruments can only have a specific gauge. So, Claire, maybe you can tell us about your 12-string. Um, my 12-string is pretty, I guess, standard. Um, when did I buy it? Uh, 2015? I, it's, a, it's a grand in... Uh, it's a Rosewood grand. And so, yeah, it has... It has the dual truss rod. It has the intonatable bridge and the flaps. Um, and I run fairly standard medium strings on it. It's a classic with high bass fourth. So I get that little extra fourth on the top. But um, other than that, it's pretty standard. Now, what about the, the um, but I'm sorry, I should have said the SG-12. The, oh, that one. Yeah, sorry. Um, that one, um, I bought that one used and it came in and I think they, I I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm making an assumption that they tend to set them up with light strings. And the reason I make that assumption is that when I purchased mine, I purchased it used, um, and it came with light strings. And I started playing it, and I had a really hard time with it. And I, and I'm, I think I'm not alone in this. And you get this instrument, it's a much shorter scale. And when you play, it's really hard harder to play in tune. Um, and I think that was mm. probably the shorter scale and the light strings. And I was... It was kind of frustrating to play it when I first got it. And I had called up Stick Enterprises and I talked to Emmett and I'm like, yeah, I think I want to get mediums because I was used to mediums on my my longer scale, my, my full scale stick. 
And Emmett advised against it. He said, don't like he didn't recommend anything other than light strings on the melody side. He recommended um, maybe trying mediums on the bass. So I do run a blended, it's called a blended set. So I run lights on the melody and medium on the bass. And that really works for me. I'm very happy with that. It gives me sort of the, the feel for the left hand for me is a lot better. And I run that and then the tuning is a, so, so yeah, it's, it's medium bass, um, light melody. And it's, it's also a classic with high bass fourth for the SG 12. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm, I've been really happy with that. So I, I got, you know, I had to get used to those lighter strings, um, because I was coming from, from regular mediums on my full scale, but I, I did, I did prefer the feel of the, the mediums in, in the left hand. So uh, I had never known that until you had mentioned that, Claire. I remember you mentioning that, and I'm looking out on um, stick.com now, and, you know, paragraph number two, shorter scale lengths allow for lighter gauge strings, which can make tapping uh, up high easy with the lowest possible action. So if you have a shorter length, I guess those that quality is more impacted by a larger gauge string. It pulls more on the instrument. Like a standard, like 25-inch scale, I think that's standard for guitar, like 25 and a quarter is standard for like a guitar. You know, you can have baritone strings on something like that if you want. Um, I don't think it's recommended, you know, but something that, that, that I wasn't aware of is that is that the, the older instruments had to be light gauge and that on the, the 10 and the 12 string shorter scale instruments, you know, it's they, they, I think they prefer the light just, you know, because it's easier to set up and maybe it, it plays better. Maybe Emmett thought that it played better. Yeah, I don't remember. You know, I, I maybe I should have looked up if I still have the email. I don't, I don't, offhand, I don't remember why. Mm. He didn't advise changing away from lights on the, on the melody. Um, you know, the farther apart something is, the easier it is, you know, as far as a, a string or a cable goes, the easier it is to push it down a certain amount. As it gets closer together, maintaining, you know, for the same tension, it's going to be more and more difficult to, to put it down. And maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe the lighter gauge strings, um, it's slightly easier to, to get them down. I mean, it's obviously not going to be anything that, that, if you're measuring the force, you know, oh, it's going to be 25% different. And what's that when you're only talking about a few ounces of force? Well, you know, if you're doing a fast run or you're trying to play, it's going to, it's going to matter. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I'm, I'm just guessing, but, uh, well, with the lighter gauge strings, with the lighter gauge strings, you know, you, it's so much more sensitive. And as strings start to age, you know, you can get this when you press and you can press a no, you get a little bit of that kind of stutter because, you can't get it if you're just tapping it quickly. You can get the quality that you want or the note. But if you're tapping and sustaining, and you push down that string even the slightest amount, it's almost like you're playing a pedal steel guitar. You know, I mean, if you've if you've got high action on that, you know, and, and it's not playing the way you want it, you have to have the lightest touch, such a light touch, and in your left hand, you know, like in your right hand where you might be playing a melody, you might be more aware of it. But if you're fretting notes in the left hand, you know, it's, it's, um, it's almost like playing a fretless instrument with older strings in your left hand, because as you press the strings, you're getting different qualities, different microtones. So I, I actually just found my email with Emmett. Hey, hey. Um, and yeah, it has to do with, so 
Yeah. So, so the reason is because the, 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 well, maybe it's less the scale and the lighter strings that I had that, you know, if you push on it, you're immediately going to go sharp. Right. Um, but yeah, he said, let's see. Well, I guess the mediums would sound fine, but they're a little bit, he says they're a little bit less responsive for something he called finger effects. So I think he liked the response of the lights and recommended that for the melody is what I'm yeah. reading through this email again. That's what I'm understanding now. And like I said, I, I went with his suggestion and I got the mediums for the bass and the lights for the, the melody on that instrument. And, I, and I've been happy with that. So let me ask you a question about the mixed set. So tell me about, cause I've never ordered a mixed set, but I've heard people talk about mixed sets. Do you do mixed, did that cross over to any of your other instruments using a mixed set of strings? Nope. Um, mm -hmm. probably just cause I never needed it. Like I, I, I started with mediums just cause I didn't know when I first got my first stick, I started with mediums cause I didn't, I'm like, ah, it's medium. It's probably, you know, <laughs> it's not too light, not too heavy, you know, it's probably just right. All right. Goldilocks. Um, and I, and I've been have, I've been perfectly happy with mediums. I've never really felt a need to go mm. with something else. Um, so no, I don't, I don't play. I think I play mediums on both of my full scale instruments right now. I see. And so, so the, the, the SG 12 was really just, it came with lights and I didn't, there was something about it that I didn't really love. And per Emmett's suggestion, I kept the lights on the, the melody. What gauge do you use Vic? I have a blended set, but it's a different sort of blended set than Claire has just described. I have medium gauge all through the instrument. Um, and again, I chose it kind of like Claire did. I didn't, know what I really wanted. So I just went for the medium. But um, but after a few years, I saw a suggestion on a post on Stickist. It wasn't really a suggestion. It was just someone sharing their experience. So I took the heaviest bass string and I made it light gauge. And uh, so that would be string number seven on a grand. And then string number eight, I kept medium. And string number nine, I made heavy. And my thinking... And this, this, you know, I was following, I think it was Josh's idea, but, um, I primarily play my instrument in a bass role in a band setting. That's what I was doing at the time. And it's pretty much what I still do now, but jumping up in fifths, a fifths tuning, there's a, there's a pretty big difference in the beefiness of the strings. You know, you've got this huge number seven string and the number eight string is quite a bit thinner because it's jumping up in, in ah. fifths instead of fourths. And I was concerned that maybe there would be a tone difference that would be noticeable. And so I was trying to minimize the difference in tone due to the thickness of the string. So I went with a light gauge string on number seven and then an, uh, a medium gauge string on number eight and a heavy gauge string on number nine. And initially I was a little bit concerned that, well, you know, what if that light gauge string on that lowest bass string, what if that starts to sound kind of thin? And then, you know, after worrying about that, you know, we all get analysis paralysis. I think it's a requirement of stick players, right? <laughs> and and so I thought about that. Do I really want to do this? And then it dawned on me, well, you know, there's this there are these guys like named Tony Levin and Nick Beggs that have been playing the stick as a bass instrument on light strings for years and nobody ever complained about their tone being too thin. So I think I'll be okay having a light yeah. gauge string on number seven. Um, but anyway, so that's what I do. And it's a blended set. And so I have to pay a little more when I get them. Um, the first time I did it was on my 10 string. And I had to adjust the intonation myself. 
Mm. Um, but then uh, my most recent instrument that I've been playing, which I ordered new, uh, my Bamboo Grand, uh, they set it up that way uh, at the factory. You know, I when I was placing the order, I told them this is how I want my string gauges, and so uh, I haven't touched the intonation on that. Just a little bit of trivia: they 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 do. You know, if you request a custom oh, string okay. blend, they well, there are people that know what they're doing to that <laughs> that will get the intonation. <laughs> they, they set it up correctly, correctly yeah. for what you asked for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so now I just order those strings, pay a few extra bucks for the blended set, and and then Joe sends them out. You know, there's there's a there's there's two things that you said there. That the, the first thing is is that, and, and I'd never really thought about it until you said it. But that is is that because the instrument is tuned in fifths, you have a higher ascent in your bass strings. So that means, as opposed to on a bass instrument where you'd go from like let's say a 100 to an 80 to a 60 to like a 40, right? Just maybe 45. You know, that's pretty natural for bass strings. But with a stick, because you've got that extra step, like you're not tuning, right. you're not going, you're not going G to D. You're actually going G or G to C. You're going G to D. Um, you you have to adjust for that in the gauge of the string. So right. I mean, and so it gets sure. a lot skinnier, uh, more than it would on a bass guitar. Yeah. So yeah. So that that I never really thought about it like that way. So that makes perfect sense. And. And and the, because the instrument is longer, it's a longer gauge. It's a longer scale, rather. I mean, if you compare with a guitar. You know, you're when you're pressing a light string, you have to have a light touch. You you have to get just enough to to create the sound. And anything in addition to that is going to affect. Is going to create a semitone that may is you know maybe undesirable. It's um, vibrato. It's vibrato. <laughs> is it vibrato or is it tremolo? Right? Oh it's- wow! Well, you know, actually, I had this. I had this discussion with uh, one of the guitar players. Uh, Here in the we go. Band. Yeah, Here was, we go. Was, you know, someone uh, the, the the keyboard player has a little vibrato wheel or a little wheel, I should say, on the side right. that she can use to to, to and and what well, is that? It's a vibrato wheel. It's not. It's not. Is it vibrato or tremolo? And I said, well, on a guitar, we call it a whammy bar, but. You know, if you're talking technically, they call it a tremolo bar, and the guy didn't know that. And so uh-huh. I, he said, "Really? No, they don't call it." I said, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm about 85 percent confident on this one." And you know, and I did, and, and yeah, it is called a tremolo bar, but we all call it a whammy bar because it sounds a lot cooler, right? Um, but it, it's actually vibrato, right? So I mean, um, well, it does vibrato. Uh, yeah. if, if you want, but, uh, but it is, it is think, called a tremolo bar. Yes, you're right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so, okay. Well, Gene, you're a guitar player. I mean, when you're doing sometimes, so, yeah. So do you, do you use a whammy bar for, for I don't, or just for bends? I don't, I, I think it is the one of the most annoying distractions to ever happen to the musical world. It, it, it is, it is, it, it just, uh, I, it's just not for me as a bassist. I see somebody go for the, the whammy and I'm like, oh, you're, are you out of notes to play? Is that what it is? You know? <laughs> are you through playing fast? You know? So I have a Telecaster and I'm like, I, if I want like that effect, I'll actually just kind of wiggle the neck. And, it seems and, more subtle, you know, like yeah, I, I think yeah. the, I think the whammy bar is really more for less subtle effects. So I don't, I, think I don't know that you'd like call it vibrato. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ben's well, no, mm. like doing that, like you know, you you, you loosen it up, you strike it, yeah. yeah. that, that sort of surfy. Thing. It has that kind of surfy tone. It, when, when it's used in that context, it's fun. But well, anyway, I think okay. most people aren't using it 
to do a vibrato. Yeah, I think that's probably better at, this is at funny the fingerboard. Because if there are any yeah. guitar players listening to this, they're you know, they're probably thinking. These I'm not guys a guitarist, so anything. yeah, I have no idea. I'm not a guitarist, so we should get a guitarist on here but, to, that's, to that's, straighten that's, us up. Yeah, I, I suppose I value that. You know, like you 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 look at someone's kind of stick origin story, and you you know, it's like I'm not a guitarist, and it's like wow, you must have a fascinating perspective on the instrument. So you're talking about string gauges, is like right? That's like talking about like weighted keys are not weighted keys, you know, and people are like, what's a weighted key, right? It's kind of like <laughs> same kind of thing. You know, it's like, I have to have weighted keys. I'm not a synth player. You know, I learned on a piano, right? So. I know we're on this bunny trail. I, 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 I'm harkening <laughs> back. If those listening have not, you know, heard all of our, uh, our episodes, uh, uh, Clara told an absolutely hilarious story. It was a really short story, but it was it was just about about that. So Clara is a classical pianist, is what she. I'm telling your story, Claire. Here, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. She, I think you've heard it enough times. You can probably tell it that you know that took up the stick. You know uh, what? Ten years ago, something like that, or eleven years ago, or whatever. And 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 so she came to the instrument from a piano background. She said often enough that she didn't really have the background in stringed instruments, and she's. The one part of her part of her gig in life is that she gets to go to NAM most years, the 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 North American Musical Merchants Show that's down in the southwest part of the country, and you know Anaheim. thousands of musicians, and she gets to go there. And she was she was she said, well, I was I was I was at one of the booths looking at a new keyboard that's coming out, and I was playing it, and I struck a note, and I tried to vibrate the key back and forth. <laughs> That's when I knew I was a stick player. Anyway, it doesn't okay. work. Yeah, <laughs> most keyboards it doesn't work. Uh, anyway, yeah, most keyboards. <laughs> there are some, there most. are some there are some touch sensors that'll do it. So are there, they, the, I have to say oh, most. Okay. Um, the Roly. Have you have you seen? Is it the Roly? Is that what it's called, Claire? Those. There ro- is a Roly that will definitely v- do a vibrato if you wiggle your finger on it. But it's, they're not they're not really keys. So yeah. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. So. Where to next, Gene? I mean, well, sure. I think um, before we move on, I do want to bring it back to your story. Well, your your info about your bass strings. I think to point out um, for people like me who don't really like gauges, I don't know, just give me something. Um, I think you know when, when we're when we're purchasing from Stick, there's like light and medium and heavy, and those all pertain to individual string gauges. Um, that Emmett or whoever's doing it now has decided, but they're all, they're all very specific gauges for each string. That's right. Um, you could, if you wanted to order your own, like, Hey, I want this and this and this for each of one of my strings. And I think that's maybe a point to make in, in what, um, you're saying, Vic, is that, you know, your string seven, eight, nine are like, what did you say? Light, medium, heavy. Yes. Your seventh string, they're still in order in terms of how thick they are. Like, it's not like your seventh string is smaller than, sorry, it's not like your seventh, it's not like they change, like you're now reversing and the string is smaller, the the lower string is smaller. It's actually still thicker. It's just the name given to that specific string in what we order from stick is light instead of heavy. Yeah, And, and frankly, I don't think that... You know, we talk about you know we were talking earlier about how a light string is a little more sensitive to dynamics uh, and finger dynamics. When you're talking about the heaviest string on the instrument, I don't consider that to be something that's in play. It's just it's still a heavy string. It's so freaking heavy that you're not going to get any dynamics on it unless you're yeah, you're you're, you're still you're still going from like your your bass strings go from heaviest to lightest 
Um, even though obvious, yeah. they, they do like light, medium, heavy, medium, medium, medium. It's just those individual strangers. That's what, that's what they're called when you order them from steak. That's Enterprises. right. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to look at my instrument and say, wow, those strings are wrong and they're backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen. You, you know, the, the other, the other point that, and I said, I wanted to make two points and I'd only made one of them, but Claire reminded me of the second one. And that is, is that if you know the gauge or if you know what you want from your instrument, like let's say this is your second instrument, right? Like, so Vic, you knew what you wanted. So at Stick Enterprises, you say, this is my string configuration. And then they set it up accordingly. The tension is configured from the inception of the instrument. It was intonated, you know, by grace that way. And th that that's a really ideal situation. So you know, as you go into an instrument, like, yeah, consider the tuning and the awesome linear, you, you know, aqua inlays, and maybe you're you know going with an active two or a stick up, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, if you know what gauge you want, it makes a big difference. Um, I suppose we, we, we've, we've talked about the, the kind of the history and kind of the, the innovation that came along with it and that enabled it. And we talked about mixed sets and we've talked about the necessity of some instruments having, you know, specific gauges or being able to use specific gauges. Um, I, you know, my own kind of origin story with stick strings is that I always used lights. I, I had an older instrument and I always used lights. And then I remember um, when I purchased a new instrument, actually I made a, a trade um, with JRJ so once upon a time, we, we traded Paduke instruments. I had a 12, he had a 10. And the 10 string that he gave me had mediums on it. And I, he said, oh, it's matched reciprocal tuning. And matched reciprocal tuning was like having to walk on one leg and one hand. It was the most <laughs> awkward and bizarre. And I, I genuinely tried it because I really admire JRJ. Someone like a stick player. It's like, I love him as a musician or as a person. And I was... So intrigued, I was like, no, I'm really, I'm really going to try it. And then like two months later, I was like, nope, didn't work out. But the medium gauge strings stayed with me. So ever since about 2009, 2000, and I've always, I mean, I've played the same tuning for a long time, but the moving to the medium gauge for me was liberating because I didn't have to micromanage the tonality of each finger in my left hand. And for me, it was kind of like, I can hit a chord and I know it's going to be a D minor seven. It's not going to be like a D minor seven with these odd semitones that I can't explain because of the age of the string. Um, or I'm angry and I'm playing a little loud, you know, and I'm just like, I, I, those variables went away and it allowed me to focus more on, um, you know, playing, practicing and training. So I suppose one of my next, you know, I'm so curious now um, to, to maybe t to try heavies. Um, and actually, something else I did want to mention, and that is, is that um, in having done a little bit of like kind of looking back into history and string gauges, you know, one of the things, at least in the guitar world, that kind of shook things up was, um, you know, people tuning down, um, people tuning down a half step to E flat, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen was doing this. Um, I know that Stevie Ray Vaughan was doing this as well. And Stevie Ray Vaughan was using like 11s or even like 12s. He was using these like, like massively huge strings on his, on his Strat and getting a whole different kind of feel and, um, and it affects the way you play. 
Um, but in the stick world, like Emmett was just unaffected by that. And, um, and things changed in the nineties, I guess people started tuning down a lot more. So there was a, you know, like the, the, the gauge mattered because it affected the tension and the impact. And I wouldn't say you don't have that in the stick world. You just have different tunings, you know, and, and if you set up your instrument for a different tuning, that's something you'll need to be aware of. You'll like, you know, your intonation is going to come into play. Like, you know, Claire was saying, there's this kind of triprimality with, you know, the, the, the nut and the bridge and the, and the truss and all of those things have to match up. And I know that when I get my instrument back from stick enterprises, I take a picture of the bridge. I take a picture of the bridge and I take a picture of the headstock or the, where the, where the, where the, um, the way the Smart strings man. are tuned. <laughs> a man who's failed many times. You know, this, this, um, we, we have to throw in a little bit about Marty. Um, if you have any questions about changing strings, you know, if you're changing the gauge of your strings or something, we have to bring up Marty first, um, who's this Canadian stick player who made this, uh, like 30 minute video on like changing strings on your instruments. And, didn't really talk about gauges, but I just feel like compelled to share that because it was. Well, we're this... talking about strings, man, and yeah. and and the, I, we're, we're we're probably going to get to how often to change your strings or mm-hmm. those philosophies. And I hate changing my strings. <laughs> hate it. Really, hate it. you don't like it? Hate it. I hate doing it. I was uh, gonna say I hate doing it. Yeah. Sorry. It, well, Marty's videos. It's awesome. Um, it goes through the whole process of changing your strings. Just just search on YouTube. Chapman stick changing strings, yeah, and you'll find it. I'm searching now. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and you know it's it's a good video. There it talks it is. about you know he's got a he's got a setup that's kind of nice to emulate, and he talks about it, you know strings are off and how he cleans it, and and he explains it very well. Marty's also an engineer, and he has a very he, he explains things really well. I think, and and yeah. he's got good camera work on there. Uh, so. 2,600 views in the stick world. That may as well be 2 million. (laughs) (laughs) Marty. Yeah. So that's, that's a, if, um, I mean, I still kind of reference this video just because, you know, I I think he does a little work in cleaning it up as well. And that's another thing, I I suppose a a future episode we could talk about is caring for your instrument or maybe changing strings. And, you know, maybe what we'll do is we'll all change our strings at the same time. Wouldn't that be cool? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's do it. Come on, Claire. You got to change change mine. I just ordered some new strings, so I actually need to change mine soon. So you have strings, you just need to put them on? Yeah. Claire, come no, on, next no, month. I hate doing it. I hate doing it. <laughs> but you, no, you hate doing it alone. Your tap and time friends here are here to you help can, you. You gonna fly out, Gene? Come, come over. And, no, uh, we're gonna do this on a bloody remotely <laughs> call. Like you don't want to hear all the cursing involved. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'll have to be bleeping everything out. Oh wow. So I will say that. Um, so I've owned my instrument for about what I guess ten or eleven years now, and. Two years ago, I started doing something that really helped my sanity, and that is you find a partner to help you change your strings. Having four hands makes a huge difference because wow. you get someone that can hold the string back at the bridge, and and that way, and they can hold it, they can hold attention in it while you're while you while you're getting it started in the tuner and stuff. Because you know, usually, you know, you, you you put it in the bridge, you think you're good, then you go and you're paying attention, you're trying to get that tiny string through the thing, and you're trying to get it sitting on the flaps, and then you start tightening it, and you get a couple. 
and you've been holding it it's tight, and then on. you realize it slipped out of the bridge. And, oh, <laughs> so crap, I, that cussing starts. At I have like a about. thick, I have a thick rubber band that I use, and as I go, once I put the string in in the slot on the bridge, the screw, I put the rubber band over it so it keeps the string. Yeah, in there. I'll try Clever that again. I tried that woman. once and it failed me, but uh, but I don't worry about it now because I just you know I just do it when my daughter and her roommate are visiting or when when my wife <laughs> and they're willing to suffer board. through that. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, actually, I. I installed all 12 strings. It, it like took, I don't know, probably I, I got all 12 strings in, in, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes. And, um, which is, which is, it sounds like a long time, but that's 12 strings, folks. Uh, listen, I, I, I almost have to insist on this, Claire. And no, like we no have I'm going to do it before I, we before have to do it. No, 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 come on. Don't. Why are we doing a podcast? Come on. This is fun, right? I mean, I'm like, not changing my string on the podcast. It's not going to happen, Gene. Sorry. You're welcome to do that if you'd like. Oh, but I'm, yeah. I'm so, not going to. So do something it. else no. that maybe just you know might be might be uh, a little bit of humorous side to it. When I ordered my current instrument, I mentioned I ordered it new from Stick Enterprises, and so so y'all know that that when you're you know I don't know sticks are again they just breed analysis paralysis, and so when you're ordering a new instrument, you're trying to figure everything out, and you really overthink all of it. Well, um, one, you know, tuners, you know, what kind of tuners are open or closed and you want chrome or I want black or, or, or do I want purple with pink polka dots or what, you know, and this new instrument that I got, it's not really new anymore. I guess it's two years old. I got black tuners just so that it would be easier to see the thin strings while I'm trying to thread the needle when I'm changing strings. And, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's not like night and day, but you know, with the Chrome tuners, you know, Chrome tuners, you know, at this time in my life, you know, my eyes aren't what they used to be and yeah. trying to see that string against the Chrome while you're passing it through the hole in the tuner. Yeah. That was driving me batty. It's a little yeah. better with black tuners. They're still shiny. So it's not quite as, as much contrast as you'd like, but it's a little bit better contrast. So if you're looking for a reason to choose black versus Chrome tuners, yeah. eh, Black tuners, it's a little easier to see those number one, two, 11, and 12 strings against yeah. it. There we go. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a pro tip, but it's a victor tip. <laughs> it is a tip. No, it's, I, think it's a, I think it makes a big difference. Um, I've, had, I've had both, but um, you know, for my past two or three instruments, it's always black tuners. It's always black tuners, even on a bright wood, even on the, on the maple, it's my preference. Um, yeah, I think, I think I've always had black tuners as well. Yeah, so that's a big plus. So I'm trying to, I think, I think we've, I think we've covered it all. I think we've covered what matters certainly. And, um, you know, I know that, um, actually we didn't, Claire, we didn't talk too much about the dual matched, the dual based, oh, help me with the name of it. Dual based reciprocal. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. Is um, it only heavy gauge though? Is it only? No, no, no. I have, I think I have mediums, but okay. the, the strings are big. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I believe mine are mediums all around, but on, on that tuning, the lowest note is a B instead of a C. So gotcha. it is, it is actually, I think probably a little thicker overall. Okay. Well, that's a whole nother podcast, but and all around, I mean, those are, they're all lower strings. So <laughs> I'm still going to push for this, 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 this string changing thing. I, I think that 
I think that would, I mean, like, I don't know, listening to someone change strings. Oh, yeah, wow. I don't think that don't would know, go Gene. over well. Maybe we do a live I think people should just podcast. check out Marty's video and they have all they need to see. <laughs> like, they have, like, you know, if it was a YouTube, he's very calm. He walks you through it. There's no cursing. It's I don't know, Gene, if, if you want, if you want to push me out. and maybe if, if, if Claire's not in, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I, I might do a video with you. I think it's a live for, event. Yeah, you know, I, I might. I might be able to be convinced live stream to do that. Your cha- no. I live stream the string changing event and like, and then, and then like it, I was thinking, what would the video would Claire's video be? You know, it'd be up there with her, 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 the, the Chopin and the Bach. And then there'd be like Claire, Claire throwing for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I will say I, I am more Yelling used at to it now. Yeah. I think when I started off, like you'd end up like, you know, you, the strings like poke your fingers and it gets oh, kind of painful and no, I'm, I'm doing better now. That I, is I just, painful. It's not something painful. I enjoy. I'll be honest. Um, I do enjoy new strings. So I, I just saw, it's funny. I was looking at the, the stick site and I think on the order page, it said they, they generally recommend like every four to six months changing your strings. I think honestly right now, because I, I mean, I don't, I'm not gigging, so I kind of it's probably like once a year, honestly, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I actually, <laughs> the reason I think I end up changing my strings is more about the feel than the sound. Like I, I actually yeah. hate the sound of fresh strings; they're really bright, but I love the feel. They have that, like, sure. especially the bass strings. They have like that bounce to them. Yeah, and they get oh. pretty. They feel pretty dead at some point, but I don't generally mind the the tone of them. I will say. I've seen Emmett's postings at times where someone would post a video and Emmett would say, wow, that's some great playing. You need some new strings. And, and, you know, he's able to hear it on a, on a video that someone put up on SoundCloud or YouTube. And when you have new bass strings and a passive four pickup, you really need a good EQ because you don't have a tone knob. Um, but, uh, but with a stick up or well, I imagine with a stick up, I've never played with one, but with the, with the active two, it's great to have that tone knob. Um, uh, because when you get new bass strings, they are bright and yeah. sometimes it's a great thing. I remember one time I changed my strings and two weeks later I was, you know, I showed up on, I know I actually, it was two days later. I took a risk and I changed them on a Friday and after, uh, after rehearsal the previous night and showed up at church Sunday morning and my drummer gave me this look that, whoa, what did you do to your instrument? What's that? What's that tone? That sounds awesome. And I was thinking these things were way too bright. Well, my drummer loved it. And it was, it was, and of course the melody strings, you know, I wasn't playing melody, but, but, you know, new melody strings. Yeah. I tell you that you can, I really should change strings more often than I do because every time I change strings and I hear the difference and how much brighter it sounds and how much more full it sounds, you know, okay, Victor, change them at seven months or eight mm. months instead of waiting for a year, you know, or whatever. And I, so you do a year right do. now too? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm more than a About. year probably. But uh, now Flint Blade, who is an awesome player, um, I've read his comments that, you know, he doesn't want to change his bass strings that often. I imagine he probably changes his melody strings a little more often, but he likes the sound of older strings uh, on the bass side. I guess it's gets a little closer to that flat wound sound, I suppose, maybe with the the older strings on the bass side. I generally, I I have an active pickup and pretty much right after I change my strings, I'm rolling off the highs on both sides. And at some point, once, once, they're not as new. I'll, I'll have, I, I don't tend to use the tone knob. I usually have it all the way up. No. Um, yeah. On the bass but side, when, when my, when my strings knob, are yeah. new, I, I, I roll it off a little bit. Definitely. Gene, how Me about too. you? How often are you? Sorry. Um, like every six months, I, I yeah. like six months, but 
was I going to say, uh, Don Schiff does that also. And like, you know, a lot of classic bassists, uh, James Jamerson, um, Duck Dunn, uh, you know, these guys, these Motown players, these, you know, R&B players liked that, you know, dead, that dead sound, like that boomy brown sound. And uh, it's desirable. And I think that, you know, Don just did it because he... He had a very brilliant, you know, sound with his NS and with uh, his twelve-string, you know, Chapman stick. He liked to have that, you know, that kind of that thud and that boom. And I think um, Flint. Sorry, Flint are you saying Don doesn't change the strings very often? On not on his or, Chapman stick. Yeah. On the okay. left hand, yeah. So he'll yeah. buy like like you guys were saying, he'll buy his right melody side. Um, so change that out more often. Okay. Yeah. So he'll 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 change out the melody sides, but he likes having the it, on it, you know on his Chapman stick, because he's a bassist. You know he likes that that boomy sound, and so I think he views it more like a bass. Well, there's um so there's a before we go since we're we're kind of wrapping this up. One last thing I want to just just for a, a quick tip uh, for anybody, if you end up needing to do an intonation adjustment on your instrument and you'd like a few tips, you can go on Stickist and Greg Howard kind of gave a a really quick overview of how to do it and how to approach it. Um, Just go search for, uh, it's a thread and uh, the the subject line for the thread is setup for DBM. That's setup, one word setup for dbm and it's a discussion about someone changing their tuning and um greg as is usual offers a lot of useful and helpful advice uh, to this individual and on page two of that thread i think it's page two but anyhow somewhere on the it's not a long thread so it's not like there's 14 pages to wade through but anyhow that's a place where where he go goes ahead and explains it there are other places where he did it but I don't know where they are. I couldn't find it on stick.com. But anyhow, there you go. Set up for DBM. That's your thread title. If you want to do the intonation on your instrument, look for a Greg Howard post near the end of it, and he'll tell you how to navigate those waters. Got it. Got it. Well, um, uh, a good discussion on a question that might not be thought about all the time, um, certainly with new players, but um, one that is worth exploring. And if you do have the time to experiment with a new uh, gauge. It may open some doors, some avenues, um, maybe some of those doors and avenues you like, and maybe some of them you don't. But definitely, uh, if you're getting ready to do that, you'll want to remember um, how you originally had your setup on your bridge and maybe perhaps kind of noting mentally how you configured your truss for that sort of thing. So I don't think there's too much to add to that. I suppose if you have comments or questions, uh, you know, drop us a line at the at the tap and time email address. All right. So uh, it's kind of cool just to have uh, another chat, another discussion where, uh, you know, it's it's just the tap and time crew. I really wish Rodrigo could have made it. Yeah. Like, man, I tell you, that guy, he's got to get his priorities straight, man. He's got to <laughs> learn that tap and time recording sessions are more important than a stick gig. That's right. Which, uh, you that know, it's kind of funny. We were trying to find a schedule for this and he's got... The dude's playing. He's busy. And, yeah, he's in festivals yeah, now. And, he's, uh, he's, so that's awesome. So, yeah. Rodrigo, uh, we missed having you here. Hope to that's get right. you next time. Yeah. And uh, for all of you out there that have been listening to this really randomly, somewhat 
on and off the rails conversation. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, We hope that sometime in the next 24 hours, you get the opportunity to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Bye now. Bye. We don't care about your comments, but if you want to leave them anyways, you can contact us at tapintimepodcasts at gmail.com.